It's good to see you guys this week. Uh, I was actually here last week, even though Dan spoke. Uh, it's great to have other staff speak on occasion. And, you know, Chris speaks pretty regular, and Dan doesn't speak uh, to us that often. He's over in the children's area. And uh, so uh, can you pull the house lights up out here some? Is anybody over there to do that? Yeah. There we go. I couldn't see you guys. I was wondering if anybody was here. Literally, I mean, I was up here with a light shining in my face, and I look like I'm speaking to a, you know, just just darkness. You know, it's like going to the dark room. Is anybody there? Anyway, good to see you now. Okay, now I can see you. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, it is exciting to have staff who can, and, and encouraging to have staff who can speak. And I thought Dan did a great job last week of sharing with us some things that we're going to actually talk about uh, in January this year. But this morning we start a whole new series talking about uh, Christmas. But we're going to look at Christmas a little differently than we have in the last few years. Matter of fact, we're going back to the Old Testament to uh, look at Christmas. Uh, but as we start this morning, I want to ask you a question. Any of you ever had uh, the opportunity to name a child? Anybody here ever had an opportunity to name a child? Okay. Uh, do you know what the rules are to naming children? The rules about picking out names? Do you all know what those are? There are rules. The rules like you never, ever uh, name your child something that your spouse, uh, or name the same name of a, that your spouse was a uh, person that your spouse ever dated. You know? Do you know that? You don't name your child a name that your spouse ever dated before they married you. That's, that's a rule. Do you all know that rule? It's a rule. Or there's other rules like, like, will you never name a child something? You know, all of us have in our mind right now, if we started thinking about names and I threw out names, there would be names, well, I threw out a name, something somebody uh, uh, would pop into your mind as a visual image of that name. So if you have a visual image of somebody you really dislike, you never name your child somebody you never dislike. For those of you who are teachers, that becomes even a broader uh, swath of... Uh, <laughs> My wife was a teacher, a public school teacher for 18 years. She was up here earlier giving announcements. And, and uh, you know, every once in a while we'd say, you know, as we were picking out our kids' names, this was early in her teaching career. Of course, she hadn't built up to 18 years' worth of teaching at this point. But we were naming kids' names and thinking about kids' names. She's going, I could never name my child that name because it reminds me of this just special child. You know, so we have all these rules about naming names, but a lot of them have to do with what we like and who we don't like and things like that. Also, we sometimes have to think about there's some rules in regard to how the name sounds. Uh, some people just don't think when they name their kids. They really don't. There was like the, the, the Mann family. The Mann family named their daughter Anita. Now think about what that sounds. Anita Mann. So she went through life as, until she got married. Some of you are a little slow this morning. Uh, so, <laughs> You know, through life, you're going, I need a man. Okay, that was her, that was her name. Or, or um, another one was uh, the Wright family named their child Eileen. Eileen Wright. I don't know if that was a political statement or, or what the deal was, but, you know, it was the reality. Or, or, or I like this one. For those of you who are shoppers, I thought it was a great name. Uh, the Price family named their, their daughter Lois. Lois Price. Kind of sounds like lowest price. I don't know, but anyway, you understand. There's there's that whole deal. Initials, you know, you don't you got to make sure the initials don't spell like something weird, you know, things like that. So there's all these these rules for naming kids names, uh, but actually, actually the names are very important. And so often in our culture, names are just names we do because we like the name. But in, in Jesus's day and in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, names meant a lot. And we're going back to the Old Testament to a prophecy. Uh, that was about 700 years before Christ, Christ was born. 
uh, to a book called Isaiah. And we're looking at a passage of Scripture, just one verse of Scripture is all we're going to look at. We're actually going to use some complementary passages as well. But one verse we're going to focus on for the next four weeks that's going to kind of help us to understand something about what Christmas is all about. Because so often when we think about Christmas, we think, you know, you go out now and you, I was riding, I went to Fort Wayne on, on a uh, left here about 5 a.m. Thursday morning, drove to Fort Wayne, went to a meeting for six hours, spent the night, turned around at 5 a.m. Friday morning, drove back. And so all the time there and back, I'm listening to the radio station. I'm listening to Christmas music, Christmas music, Christmas music. And a lot of it's about the child and a lot of it's about, you know, a lot of really nice things. And some of it was contemporary, some of it was secular. I mean, it's all kind of a mixture of stuff, Christmas music. But sometimes I think we focus on, it's important to focus on the child, but the reason the child came is what's important. And there's a passage in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah that's incredibly important for us because it probably tells us more about the Christ child that came at Christmas than any other single passage in all of Scripture. And we're looking at Isaiah because Isaiah, in in a a real sense, uh, is, is an important Old Testament prophecy because it characterizes uh, the good news more than probably any other book in the Old Testament. No other Old Testament book contains more references to the Messiah than Isaiah. Uh, the New Testament quotes Isaiah 62 times in the New Testament. It's quoted more than any other uh, Old Testament book except for Psalms. So it has a lot of connections to the New Testament. And so over in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which we're going to look at for the next few weeks, is, is a verse that kind of gives a foreshadowing uh, of what's going to come. And it says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And it says this, And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We're going to look at what that means over the next four weeks. We're going to talk and, and flesh that out. What does it mean when it says that he shall be called, and this is a descriptive term of who he is, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What do those mean? This morning I want to talk about the first of those, Wonderful Counselor. It's the two Hebrew words that it comes out of is the interesting words. The first word is the word Pele, and the second word is the word Yachts. Pele means an incredibly a talented soccer player, right? No, that's not what it was. Uh, Pele is, is, is a word that, that literally means beyond understanding. It's the word that's translated wonderful. Uh, and it's, it's a word that goes beyond, you know, sometimes we're going, oh, isn't that wonderful? Ever said that? Maybe not. Maybe you have. But this is beyond that, okay? It means too wonderful for words. It's just incredibly wonderful. That's what this word means. And the word yachts means to advise, to consult, to guide. And so it's a descriptive term of who Jesus, this child that was to be born 700 years later after Isaiah said this, it's a descriptive term of who Jesus is, this child that's born to us. The first one is wonderful counselor, Peleots. Now, what is a counselor? I love this definition that was given in one book I was reading. It says, a counselor is this, a trusted friend who gives valuable insight, a godly thinker who directs our minds down pathways that please our Lord and bring release to our anxious hearts, a wise individual who can steer us away from foolish, unnecessary difficulties and guide us toward truth, And then it kind of wraps it up by saying a good counselor is someone who has our best interest at heart and who knows how to help us achieve those best interests. When you need guidance, when you need counsel, who do you go to? I mean, sometimes it might be a friend. Sometimes it might be a professional counselor. 
Sometimes it might be somebody who has been through stuff in life that you've not been through, has been there. But the question is, where do you need to go for counsel? I love what it says early, uh, later in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 40, and it talks about Jesus as the counselor. It says, who has understood the, who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? In other words, what it's saying here to us, it says, you know, this is the counselor. Jesus is the counselor who doesn't need counseling. Uh, most of you know that my daughter is a counselor. I have a lot of friends that are counselors. And I do some counseling myself as a pastor. But did you know that most counselors are encouraged in their, in their, as they're counseling, if they've not been through it already, to go through counseling themselves? Most counselors are encouraged to do that because they want to understand what counseling is all about from the client perspective. And the, and the fact is, and I know this is a fact as well, that a large percentage of counselors go into counseling because they had to go into counseling because they needed counseling. And it helped them, and so they went into counseling. Does that make sense? That's what happens many times. Not everybody now, but a lot of people, a huge inordinate amount of people, go into counseling because they've been counselors, been, been through counseling. But what it's saying here about Jesus Christ is that this is the counselor who doesn't need counseling. It says, who taught, who, 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 how does Jesus, where does he get his information? How does he know who we are? Well, a couple of things in Scripture that tell us about him as the counselor. It says this in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, where we talk it about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Or let's approach Jesus with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And then I love what it says over in John about who Jesus is in regard to who, uh, about what he, where his information comes from. Jesus just didn't live here on this earth, which is a good guy, like a lot of people think. He was, he was the, the son of God. He was God himself, God incarnate. And it says this, Jesus says in John 8, it says, Jesus said, I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. And then in John 7, verse 16, it says, Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. So when it, what Jesus is saying here is when Jesus gives you counsel, when the counsel comes from him, guess where it came from? The creator God. It's not just good advice. I would wish I wish I could tell you that you could go to any counselor anywhere and, and, and they would always give you the right advice. But guess what? <clears throat> I'm looking at the counselor, no, ex-counselor. Uh, but I, I'm thinking of a lot of people. The thing is, is that when people come to my office for counseling, I'll just talk about me. I try to give them wise counsel. I try to help them to understand things. I help them understand choices and things in life and to look through all the things they're going through. But I want to tell you something. I'm a person. I do not have the wisdom that Christ has. And neither does any other earthly counselor. They can help you. But they're not God. But Jesus, as the wonderful counselor, is God. And because of that, it's an important thing for us to understand that that is one element, one part of who Jesus is in our lives. It says in Luke chapter 5, Jesus answered, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Then he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is one of his primary missions is to help sick people. And we're going like, well, that's not me. Yeah, it is. 
Every one of us here, if we're totally honest, are sick in some way. You're, you're sick in some way. Everybody here is sick in some way. We have some area of our life where we have need. It's where we, we have need help with and, and we're not, and, and we struggle with it in some ways. Every one of us, if we're totally honest in life, are sick. And that's what it's talking about in scripture. Jesus came, he said, I didn't came for those of you who think it's your, oh, you got it all together and you're so cool and everything's working great in your life. I mean, you know, you'll never turn to a counselor. You'll, you're too proud. But Jesus says, as a wonderful counselor, I have come for those people who are sick who will admit their sickness and deal with it in a real way. So I want to give you this morning, just very quickly, I want to give you, how do you find help and peace and healing with a wonderful counselor? Jesus. I'm going to give you three things that I think is important. Three, I mean, these are so no-brainer that you're going like, duh. But sometimes I found that the obvious is the best thing to focus on because so often we just don't deal with the obvious. So here's the three things that we need to do, I need to do, and you need to do if we're going to take advantage of the best counseling advice that we'll ever get from Jesus Christ himself. Number one, if you want to be somebody who really takes advice and, and, is, and, and loves Jesus and, and, use, and understands him as the wonderful counselor, the first thing we have to do is we need to be totally honest with the counselor. We need to be totally honest with the counselor. You know what it says in, in Psalms 55? It says this, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. It's, it's saying this, we've got, we got to throw ourselves upon God. There's an example of that in the New Testament. A lady, we call her the woman at the well. If you're familiar with Scripture, you know the story. The woman at the well was the lady who had a lot of issues. Her issues were relational issues. And I'll, there's a lot of other issues, too, I'm sure she had. But relational issues are the ones we know about. Relationally, she had had five husbands. Been through five marriages, five failed marriages. She had an issue with knowing how to have a strong relationship. And she was currently living with guy, maybe he was prospect number six. We don't know. And that and Jesus meets this woman at the well. And then Jesus told her, as he talked to her, he says, Go, in verse John chapter four, verses sixteen and seventeen, he says, Go call your husband and come back. Now, she, at that point, could have dealt like, like a lot of us do and try to hide the fact that we're not really do how, not have it all together. And she could have said, okay, uh, uh, he's out on a business trip, or he's here, he's not there, whatever. And, and she didn't know at this point that Jesus knew everything about her. But the thing was, is that she replies, though, instead of saying, making up a lie and trying to fool Jesus, she says this in verse 17. She says, I have no husband, she replied, she was totally honest with Jesus. She was brutally honest with Jesus. Because she was honest with Jesus, as we read that passage, which we don't have time today to read, go back and look in John chapter, John chapter 4, that passage of Scripture. Because she was honest with Jesus, he was able to help her. Folks, let me tell you this. Unless you're totally honest with Jesus and yourself, you can't be helped. Because so many of us live a lie. We're we just not honest with ourselves. We need to be honest with Jesus, Jesus, brutally honest, because when we do, it'll reveal sometimes some things in our life that we just don't want to deal with. You know, sometimes we just need to be brutally honest with Jesus and say things like, uh, Jesus, you know, I'm not sure that I trust you. Uh, you know, 
you know, right now my marriage is in shambles, and 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 if you don't intercede, it, it's not going to work. And but I don't know if I can trust you. That's honest. Sometimes we think if we say something like that that it's it's like oh we just got to say nice things to Jesus, like he only can. Jesus knows your thoughts, even before you say it. So why do you say it? You say it for your sake. You say it so that you can be honest and 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 begin to be open to the to the to the change that'll come about when Jesus begins to tell you the brutal honest truth about what needs to be done. Or we need to be honest and say things, well God, you know, Jesus, I'm I'm hooked on something and and I can't shake it. I I just I just know I can't I can't do it on my own or You see, we can deceive ourselves and act like everything is all right, but if we do that, the problem is we'll never have the possibility of being healed by the wonderful counselor. So the first step is very simply this. Be totally, brutally honest with Jesus. Now let me ask you, what's your prayer life like? You have like little ritual prayers or do you have, do you have really honest, open dialogue with God? I mean, you get with him in the morning and say, God, I mean, today is a day that I am not looking forward to. And if you don't intercede and do something about my attitude, I'm going to mess up the day. Have you ever said that? Or said, God, you know, I, I don't know if I can deal with this. Are you just brutally honest with God about who you are and what's going on? I mean, sometimes my prayers, you would not want to hear my prayers because you would not think nice things about me. And I would not want to hear your prayers if you're brutally honest because I would think nice, bad things about you. But you see, we're coming to the counselor who is totally confidential and he deals with it in a real way and that's what he wants to do. But the thing is, is when you come to him, you have to come to him in total honesty. So we need to be totally honest with the counselor. Number two, uh, after be totally honest, listen to the counselor's voice. Listen to the counselor's voice. You know what God's advice was to his disciples? God, to his disciples about listening to Jesus. God actually spoke to some disciples about listening to Jesus, his son. You remember the thing called the transfiguration in scripture? If not, go look it up. But Jesus took three of his disciples up to a mountain. This really cool thing happened. This kind of, Jesus started glowing and a whole bunch of really straight, I'm not even going to. You can look, it's really cool. And then we're probably going, wow, this is amazing. What's going on? And then these two guys showed up and they, there were Moses and Elijah showing up from the past, you know, and, and all this stuff was going on with Jesus. And, and then, and then some, some angelic beings appear. And then after that's all over with, God speaks to the Jesus and the disciples. And he actually speaks to the disciples. It says, it says this in Mark chapter 9, verse 7. That gives you a hint where the transfiguration is, okay? Mark chapter 9. A voice came from the cloud. Guess what that, who's that voice? It was God. And he always speaks like this. That's what we think, right? Oh, well. But the thing is, he says this. This is my son, God, speaking about Jesus. This is my son whom I love. And then what does he say? God says to his disciples, listen to him. Listen to him. And God continues to say that to us today. Jesus is my son. Listen to him. And the question that many of us has, well, I don't have never heard a word from God from a cloud like these guys did. So how do I listen? Let me tell you, it's real simple. 
It really is. The number one way God's going to speak to you is through his word. That's why the word, God's word, scripture is here for us. It's to help us to understand what God is trying to say to us. So the obvious thing, if you want to, first of all, hear from God and hear from his son, Jesus Christ, you need to understand, study and understand scripture. He'll also speak to us in other ways as well, but none of these will ever contradict Scripture. I'm going to say that up front. He'll also speak to us through other people. I've had people go out the door on Sunday morning, and this is what the terrible responsibility for being a pastor is, is people will say, God really spoke to me through you. And I'm going, I hope you heard God. And sometimes, some of you who are small group leaders, or you've been Christians for a long time, God speaks through you to other people. God does that as well. You're going like, how can I filter through all these things? Well, if you build a relationship with God and you focus on God and you stay connected to God and his word, you will know when it's God's voice. It's kind of like in a, it's, it's crazy in here on a, after the chairs are taken down on Sunday mornings in this room. You know what happens in here? If you, if you want to see something hilarious after the second service, and if, and if you've ever been right here after the second day, you're first service people, okay. But second service, what happens is after the chairs are taken down, there's a bunch of families with little tiny kids that, that hang out in here. And the, and the parents hang around the corners. And the kids run back and forth all across the floor here. You'd think this is the greatest playground in the whole world. You know? No, this is the big room where we meet on Sunday mornings. But, you know, it changes into a kid's playground. But sometimes I've noticed that occasionally when some kid is doing something they shouldn't be doing, which never happens where our kids, right? But the issue is when they're doing something they shouldn't do, and one of the parents will speak, and they'll say, and I won't give a name, okay? And <laughs> just because it might incriminate someone. But the issue is that the parent will speak, and there's all these kids running around, but all of a sudden that one child will all of a sudden perk up in the midst of the chaos, and they'll respond to the parent. Why? Because they know the parent's voice. They listen for the parent's voice. They have a relationship with the parent that enables them to understand and recognize the voice in the midst of chaos. And that's the same way that happens with us in our relationship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We develop a relationship with him over a period of time, being so tied into God's word, we begin to recognize when it's God and it's not God. I'm not saying it's infallible. Sometimes kids don't get it right. You know, some kid will, and then, oh, it's not my fault. Okay. And then they go on. But the issue is, is it, is we recognize this voice. It says in John 20, 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. And I'm sorry, we're all sheep. That's what it says we are in scripture. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So we need to, to be brutally honest uh, with the counselor. We need to listen to the counselor's voice. And number three, this is so simple. Do what the counselor tells you to do. I told you it was duh. It's not deep. Do what the counselor tells you to do. I mean, you're honest about where you are. You listen to the counselor's voice. It speaks to you through scripture. And then and you just walk away. No. You listen to the counselor's voice. And you do what the counselor tells you to do. And I want to tell you this sometimes, folks, when you're listening to the counselor's voice, when Jesus tells you something to do, God tells you something to do, the reality is sometimes you may not like it. I may not like it. If I had a lot of time, I'd tell you about 
something happened this week, but I don't have a lot. I'll tell you real quick. Okay. I've been in the process of praying about God. You know, I just go through this. You ever go through just a kind of a time where you're kind of like not motivated? No, you're all motivated every day. You get up and go, oh, yes, thank you for living. No, you don't do that. And I went through this about two-year period in the life of the church. I've shared this before. You know, almost depression. And I was going, God, you know, just do I need like a six months off? I was trying to encourage the leadership team to, I'm still encouraging them about sabbaticals. I think it's a great idea, you know. I think it's a biblical idea, you know, for, for but they won't buy it yet. But just keep praying for them. But the issue is, um, the issue is, I think, you know, the thing is, well, you know, God, I just need to be re-energized and re-motivated. And God did it in the strangest way. He began to work in my heart to make, to, to make my heart more pliable to people that are in need. And God's done some amazing things in the last few weeks in the life of this church. I want to tell you, some people in this church have had some amazing experiences with helping people in need. It's opened their heart in ways that you cannot imagine. But God began to open my heart. And a few months ago, actually about a year ago, I began to work in my life about saying, Hey, Bill, you need to be open to leading the church beyond where it's our, in this comfort zone to say, Hey, it's not about us. It's about, it's about people in our community and in our world. And so, and I'm going, Okay, God, whatever that means, I'll, 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 okay, whatever it means, I'll do it. And so we began to look and we're already ministering with the basket. And he brought into our life this group called the Yolanka. The Yolanka is in West Africa in the place called Mali and Senegal and Guinea. Any of you ever been there? I don't think so. It's not your vacation spot, I found out. Because Thursday I went to orientation meeting. I get to go because God opened someone's heart in this church. And they said, hey, I'll pay for this. For me to go as a representative for you is the first initiation to go to a place in Mali where the Yolanka live out in the bush. And I'm going in March to go visit there. And I went to the, I went to the orientation meeting Thursday. Oh my gosh, some of you ladies, when he was telling about what, how you go to the bathroom in the bush and where you sleep, some of you guys too, and I'm not real crazy about it myself, guys, I want to tell you, but I'm excited about it in spite of some of the hardships and stuff. I cannot imagine what it's going to be like because it's about as far from Germantown Hills as you can possibly get out in the bush. In Africa. You know, but when you follow God and when you listen to his voice and when he says, hey, this is what I want you to do next, sometimes it may be something difficult. Sometimes it may be something strange he'll tell you to do. But it's from God. It's from God. It's it's for your best interest. And there's story after story after story in Scripture of people who followed God's voice and did bizarre, strange, unusual things, but God used it in remarkable ways. And sometimes it's just going and doing the things that you know you should do. Doing the hard thing sometimes. The uncomfortable thing. There's a story. I'm going to close with this. There's a story in, in the New Testament in, in, in Mark chapter 10 of a person, of an example of a person who did not do what the wonderful counselor told him to do and how much it cost him. In Mark chapter 10, there's a, there's a guy who's very wealthy. And he, he looks at Jesus and he says this. He said, teacher, in verse 20, he says, teacher, All these things I have kept since I was a boy. Talking about the commandments. And it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. This was a guy that had a lot of stuff. He'd pursued stuff in his life. But he'd at the same time been a very moral person. A person who'd who'd followed the plan. 
He followed the big ten commandments and, and he was, he followed the plan throughout his life and he kept them. I mean, he was obviously a, a, a very uh, organized, a very focused person. He says, all of these things, not one have not, not kept all of my life since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. But then Jesus spoke the truth to him about the next step in his progression in his walk with him. And when he did so, it was something he didn't want to do. This guy had kept all the rules. Jesus knew that his sickness was an addiction for material things. And he says, if I really want to take you where you need to go, I need to break that addiction to the material things in your life. And I picked this out for an obvious reason. None of us have addictions to material things, do we? No. Because if Jesus told us to do what he told this guy to do, could we do it? And that will tell you whether you have an addiction to material things or not. Because he told him this in Mark 10, verses 21. He says, he said, yeah, I love you. I love you. God, Jesus says, I love you. But one thing you lack, one thing you lack. He says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's gaze, a face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. And I thought about that. And I'm thinking, man, if God told one of us to do that, and we knew it was from God, because this is Jesus Christ telling this guy face to face, could we do that? Could we be brutally honest with the wonderful counselor and say, hey, I have a struggle with this because, you know, if I give it all away, what am I going to live on? You know, Jesus probably is not going to tell most of you to do that. I'll just have someone go, okay. But I want you to think about it, though, if he did. But he may, if you're really honest with him, he may tell you something like, well, you need to break up with that person you're dating. Because that person is not the kind of person that's going to encourage you in life. He may tell you that, yeah, you've made some, if you're brutally honest with him, he may tell you that you've made some financial decisions, uh, some really bad decisions in your life. And because of those, it's time to downsize considerably. And something more affordable in your life. He may tell you that. If he really wants you to get on with life. Or he may, he may, if you're brutally honest with him, he, you may say, well, you have this whole second life kind of going on behind the scenes and it's kind of a hidden life and you will never have the kind of marriage that you need to have unless you deal with that and go, and get, and go forward and deal with it. When he speaks, We need to do what he says because he is the wonderful counselor. When he speaks, it's from God. And God always has our best interests at heart. And God knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for me and for you. And sometimes I understand in my own life it's just a lack of faith because I really don't believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And we really don't believe that we can find fulfillment in Christ alone. See, that little baby that came in a manger Christmas that we get all wonderful and gushy about was a wonderful counselor. 
But he's the kind of counselor that we need to listen to, that we'll be honest with, and we need to do what he says. Because if we don't, we're just a sham. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do with this little baby that grew up to be the wonderful counselor? Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.